It's on, it's on, it's on! Yes! A little bit of anime is here! Are you guys excited? Yes, I am. No matter how old I am, I love anime. It's the one thing I always wait for every week! Yes! A little bit of anime is here! On the last amazing episode of A Little Bit of Anime, you were whisked away into a world of romance by your host. Now the romance has settled and a star has appeared. Prepare for this extra special amazing episode of A Little Bit of Anime. We are back with more anime. Yes. What, what's your show called? A little bit of anime. I'm Elijah Bailey. I'm Monica Robinson, and we have a very, very, very special guest today. An amazing, phenomenal, spectacular, stupendous. I can't think of any more big words. All right, let's let her talk. Hey guys, my name is Marissa Lenti. Thanks for having me on the show. We're welcome to have you here. Wait a I'm second. Very excited. If you heard that voice, you should get chills down your spine. That is professional speaking, and <laughs> and there, there's acting that goes with that that emotes through the earphones, through the microphone every single time she gets behind the mic in a booth to record amazing episodes at Funimation Studios. Yes, you may have heard this voice many times before. <clears throat> She's had quite a few roles. Uh, is there a favorite role that you had, Marcy, you'd like to talk about first? or? Uh, sure. Uh, my favorite role is actually from uh, this season and last season. It's Momoko Yakushiki from uh, Nambuka. She is my baby child, my girl. <laughs> I love recording her. She was She's one definitely. of my favorite characters. I think we had that show on our anime watch swap. And yes. I actually forced myself to completely watch that one only in English and not skip ahead. I watched them both (laughs) and just the character of Momoko is just interesting because she has to be this very strict and stern warden but she's in love I love that (laughs) and she turns completely girly as soon as it walks out the door so I mean it's 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 amazing show I love the the music the artwork the interpretation of the concept of escaping a prison and never being able to escape and then the tournaments and all the stuff that goes on inside Mm -hmm. of it it's awesome yeah, oh yeah, I am in love with that show. Like, and the English cast that got brought together by uh, Aaron Dismuk, who's the ADR director, it's a bunch of people who I never would have expected because it's a lot of new people and then a lot of people in like interesting roles, and it's ju- it just sounds so good all together. I'm like, ah, I love this. Thank you. Now let's let's start here first. How did you get into voice acting? Oh, let alone become a voice actor and a director at Funimation. So it's kind of a long story. Um, I hope you're up for it. Uh, So when I was really little, when I was around 11, 12, I did a lot of acting, actually, but it was all on screen and on stage. So I was doing plays, I was doing commercials, I was doing that kind of thing. And then I sort of hit puberty and was like, I don't want to be on camera anymore. I'm embarrassed. So I stopped acting. Um, When I went to college, I went to college for creative writing. Mm-hmm. realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do, switched to theater studies with a concentration in costume design because oh, I was a cosplayer at the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. And I was, uh, for about 10 years, I had an online business selling cosplay and making cosplay. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm good at making cosplay for my business. Clearly, I'll be good at this. But making costumes in a costume shop with like a weak restriction and other people are designing the costume and just handing you a design and going, make this work in a week. And then you move on to something else. I was like, oh, I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but I couldn't change uh, over to the acting 
yeah. side of things. They wouldn't let me move my uh, major. So I just became general the- theater studies and started taking voice acting classes in Boston, which is where I was going to school. And uh, I was like, oh, you know, I think I'm actually kind of good at this. Like, I remember, you know, doing a lot of acting, but I think I'm, I'm particularly better at the voice acting side of it, even though I had done on camera and I was okay at it. And then I put my demo reel online and all that kind of stuff. And I started working like two weeks after I made my demo reel. I started working online, booking stuff, building up a resume. And then by the time I had graduated college, I moved down to Texas and I was like, all right, I'm going to make a concentrated effort to start acting at Funimation. And it took a while. It took a long while to kind of break in there. But once I started accumulating roles, it, uh, it really steadied itself out for me. And that's how I got to here. Well, that's awesome. So did you fly to Boston down to Texas? Did you already have something set up or, or did you just like on faith alone? I, I mean, I had an apartment. <laughs> that yeah. was about it. I flew oh, down wow. here. Uh, I got a part-time job at GameStop to mm-hmm. sort of tide myself over until, mm-hmm. uh, until acting picked up. And then I just sort of went for it and hoped for the best. Well, that is amazing and really, really fast to pick up roles that quickly. After I'm releasing honestly demo. really surprised. <laughs> like, like that's a that's like, like crazy astounding. fast. Like yeah. what what year was that? Because we were having a conversation with a uh, a voice actor what four or five months ago, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how in the industry now there's a lot of anime lovers that are pirating so much anime it's hard for newcomers to get into the business, especially now in, in the later well that's not the later two thousands but two thousand you know what. 13 on to mm-hmm. 2017. So what year did you first get into voice acting at Funimation? Uh, at Funimation, that would have been 2015. Oh, man. So yeah. you skirted right in. So Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, there is actually more of a demand for newcomers because Funimation is doing broadcast dubs where mm. they need people who are available all the time, who aren't too busy, who can come in every week for a small amount of hours to do it episode by episode. So now you're seeing a lot of newcomers coming into the business. And like I said, uh, Nanbuka is a great example of a show that's full of newcomers with a handful of really talented people sprinkled in to sort of hold it all together, mm-hmm. like really talented veteran people. And I include myself in that newcomer camp because this is uh, the biggest role that I've ever done. But a little bit before that, before the broadcast dubs really did pick up, it was sort of a challenge to get people to kind of give you a chance as a newcomer. But you, you just kind of Got to keep knocking on that door. <laughs> to go back to what you were saying earlier, you felt like you picked up voice acting better than acting. What is it that you love about voice acting? Uh, just the fact that I don't have to worry about what my body's doing. Um, <laughs> I'm a very, um, you can't see me, but I'm very uh, emotive when I talk. Talker? So, yes, I'm a big hand talker. I'm Italian. <laughs> so I'm constantly moving my hands around. I'm constantly doing you know stuff with my face and my hands. And when I'm on camera, there's a lot of like, could you tone that down? Could you not be so much that? So I'm constantly not just trying to act, but I'm trying to be like, okay, where are my hands? Okay, what am I doing? Okay, is my face too much right now? Um, Whereas with voice acting, it is encouraged that you are constantly moving so that people can hear some kind of life in your voice. Um, So it, it definitely lends better to me as someone who is a hand talker. (laughs) <laughs> that works yeah it does because i know that we've been going back and forth this is our 19th episode mm-hmm. of a little bit of anime and one of the things that because we always ask for criticism for the show to make it better for our audience for you guys and one of the things was my tone of my voice is so low that when monica speaks it's real upbeat 
And so I have to match that. So half the time, whenever I'm reading or doing something, I have to move around to try to do the same thing. But I mean, that's <laughs> it's there's something about being behind a microphone that gives you a little bit of freedom. Like for us, for podcasting, I I don't think I would ever have tried to come up with commercials at all, let alone right. try a, a child's voice <laughs> if Monica wouldn't have pushed me in that direction. Oh, I, that's how I wrote it. You had to do it. That way. <laughs> yeah. But outside of that, do you find that most of the voice actors, the newer ones and some of the more experienced ones, there's, there's a common ground with that freedom and that liberation in voice acting and why they do it so much? Because we were told that it was hard to get into. So is that the thing that drives all of you guys to continue to voice act? I don't think all of us. I think everyone has their own reason for staying in the anime industry. For some people, it's because they're just good at it. You know, they're good at it, and that's their job, and they can continue to be good at it. Some people just really love anime, which I'm one of those people. They just really want to keep working on anime. And even if it's not, like, the easiest thing for them to do, they want to work on you know, becoming good enough that they can just keep doing it. And then, of course, for some people, they're like, yeah, I do theater and I do film, but voice acting is just really fun and really freeing. And I'm also in that camp as well. So everyone's got their own reasons, I think. But I think once someone becomes experienced, they kind of become all three, usually. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about the technical aspects of what you do. You have built, I believe, a, a home studio mm -hmm. that you do work from. That's what I am on. That's where I am right now. Mm -hmm. in my that home sounds studio. So, so clear. <laughs> like that is not a computer Skype. Oh, thank you. Going on right now sounds sounds great. So, what kind of uh, what kind of setup did you start with when you first started with voice acting? When I first started, so the mic that I'm currently using is a Shure, and it's a it's a Shure with phantom power. It goes into a preamp, and it sounds very nice. But I started with the USB version of this mic, so it plugged directly into my computer, and I could just kind of go. And I had this uh, mudguard, which was just a thing of foam that encased it on three sides, and then let me kind of speak into the front. And I just had it set up on a mic stand in my room, which is a big room, and I would just kind of pull it as close to me as possible and try to isolate the noise. Uh, nowadays, obviously, I've got the same mic, essentially, but way upgraded. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in a closet with foam on all sides, um, except for the door side where I put up a tarp mm -hmm. to keep the noise isolated. And this is where I've done a majority of my uh, broadcast quality work, as they say. Um, so a lot of commercials that have actually gone on TV and on the radio have been recorded out of here. A lot of video games have been recorded out of here. And I was sort of joking about this um, <laughs> on a stream that I was doing. I was like, no one would ever know that a majority of the work that I've done, aside from anime, uh, has been recorded in my closet at home. I was probably in my pajamas <laughs> and it was probably midnight or one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's when inspiration struck. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So then if you're working from home, you have what do you use as your um, editing program, your audio software? Just Audacity. You use Audacity? Which, uh, yeah. Not industry standard by a long shot. Mm -hmm. um, at the actual studio, um, I work at a studio called Sound Cadence. Um, we use Pro Tools. But at home, I just use Audacity. <laughs> Well, we are very familiar with Audacity yes, here yes, at <laughs> Black and Studios. <laughs> Was there a certain role or show that inspired you from when you were younger to kind of go into voice acting, to kind of... Begin the journey. Like, begin that journey for you or give you that um, idea. 
Yeah, absolutely. So when I was uh, much younger, I was not in the habit of watching English dubs. Um, not because I particularly disliked them, but because they were difficult to find back then. And I was like, I don't want to bother. I'll just watch the sub. So I watched a lot of stuff subbed, um, but eventually my friends were like, you should really try this show dubbed. It's better dubbed. And I'm like, okay, how do I find it? And they would, you know, direct me. Mm -hmm. And the shows that I found that I watched dubbed, even though I had watched some of them subbed already, uh, that really inspired me being like, oh, this is really cool, were Bacchano, <laughs> Durarara, Ooh. Death Note, and Oran High School Host Club. Oh. Yeah. Those shows all have excellent dubs and were recommended to me as like, you should really try the dub. And I was like, oh, yeah, these are pretty cool. And after that, I started watching shows dubbed exclusively because at the time I was a seamstress and mm -hmm. reading subtitles and sewing do not go hand in <laughs> no. hand. You got to watch what you're doing. So having <laughs> uh, the dub on was really helpful for me. And the more I listened to it, the more I was like, oh, these are all kind of the same people. I'm starting to recognize voices and I'm starting to pick out like um, the cadence of people's voices. That's kind of neat. I wonder where they all are. You know, mm -hmm. that's when I sort of tracked down like, oh, uh, Funimation's in uh, Dallas and Sentai Filmworks is in Houston and Bang Zoom's in L.A. and uh Nyef Post is in New York. Okay, okay. So starting from Boston, um, what made you choose when you were going to leave to go to the Funimation instead of one of the other studios that you just mentioned? So it, it was several factors. One was just I really admired Funimation's work. And I was like, that's the kind of work I'd like to be doing. Like, I really like Funimation's work. And, and they were putting out so many of animes that I liked. I was like, these are the kind of animes I'd like to be in and be a part of and contribute to. Um, it also had to do with the fact that Texas is the cheapest place to live <laughs> Yes, <Yeah. laughs> between New York, LA and Texas. Yes. Texas is definitely the cheapest place to live. And then also, um, my family's from New York. So I had a distinct feeling that if I stayed in New York and like lived with my family, um, I wouldn't have been motivated to get anything done. Mm -hmm. Like even if I had stayed in New York and applied to do art. Um, which is where they record Pokemon and applied to Nyef Post, which is where they record a whole bunch mm -hmm. of cool stuff. Like I could have gotten some work done there and I might've collected a few cool roles. If they had me at that time, I was still a newbie at the time, but if they had had me, I could have gotten some good work out of that. But I was like, if I stay here, I'm just, I'm just going to spin my wheels. I'm not going to improve. I'm not going to have any drive to do anything. So I was like, I'm going to Texas. See you, family. And they were like, oh, okay, bye, I guess. Um, but it worked, you know, just mm -hmm. being here by myself and knowing, like, I got to get a job. I got to feed myself um, really kind of pushed me to really try harder. For any new and upcoming voice actors or actresses, would that be the advice that you give them? I mean, that sounds like a scary plan to me. Like, I, I am so <laughs> impressed that she did that. <laughs> move away from home. Move no, away. That wouldn't be that wouldn't be my uh, advice unless they know that they're a person like me who would become complacent at home. Mm -hmm. But some people can still get good work done at home. So my advice is just live wherever the work is. If that's where you live, then great. You already have it built in. If you don't live anywhere near any of the major places, then you got to move there. And obviously, this is just for America that I'm talking about. Mm. In Canada, they've got their <laughs> own places for voice acting. And I think it's like Toronto and Calgary. Um, but yeah, just go where the work is. 
if you can find a place near you, that's cool. If there's no place near you, then pick the one whose work you really want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. You know, don't just go to L.A. because you're like, L.A. is where all the cool (laughs) stuff is, which is true. A lot of cool stuff gets done in L.A., like all the big budget video games get done there and a lot of the really cool animes get done there. But pick one where you feel like you just by listening to maybe listen to the commentary tracks on animes or stuff and be like, do these sound like people that have as coworkers, you know, do these sound like people I'll get along with? Does it sound like it's an office environment that I like? Because as much as anyone wants to be a voice actor, it's still a job. You're still going in. You still have coworkers. You you talk to people. You're interacting with people. It's a very social business. And if you don't like your coworkers, you're not going to have fun. You know, just being an anime is not going to keep you going, you know, when it's late at night and you're like, I wish I had some friends to hang out with. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> voice actors do. We all get together and we go to like karaoke and stuff. Oh, it's wow. really great. It's fun. But it, you you want to surround yourself with people who are going to be fun to be with, you know? Mm-hmm. So, And you want to be that kind of person, too. You want to be someone who's fun to be around. That's another piece of advice for new voice actors. Be personable. Don't be catty. Being a nice person will help you so much. And if you naturally are a nice and cool person, then you don't have to change. Just be yourself. Do your best. And it surprises people. Just relax. Do your best. Be nice. It's all good. I think that cuts you out of the industry. What? (laughs) (laughs) Cut me out. So a typical day recording at the studio. Uh, Do you mind giving us a walkthrough of what that's like? Sure. For every studio, it's going to be a little different, obviously. But in general, you're walking in. Previously, you've gotten a text or an email telling you when to be there. This text or email could come as soon as the night before. So you have to be ready and you have to always check your phone. Then the next day or the next week or whenever you're scheduled, you walk in. There's a sign-in sheet and then a couple sheets that tell you where you're supposed to be. So you check that sheet and you go, okay, um, I'm here for so-and-so and and this is their show. And this is, you know, oh, I'm doing it with a group of people because we're doing background work. Or, oh, um, it's just me. Interesting. Or, oh, it's me and one other person. That must be commentary. Then you write your name on the sheet, you sign in, you wait in the lobby, and then the director comes to get you. You go back into the booth, and then for the entire time that you're scheduled, you're working. Um, and it's just you in the booth with your water and the director <laughs> for however many hours it takes to get that amount of work done. Um, and now that there's broadcast dubs, people are going in and out all the time. So people are constantly, you know, oh, I'm in for an hour today, but tomorrow I've got three hours. Oh, and wow. the next day, you know. So how many, or if you can tell us this, how many studios does Funimation currently have on site? Um, I don't know the exact number, but I want to say it's somewhere around 20. Oh, and wow. I, I don't think that's an industry secret because if you look at their list of shows, mm-hmm. there's two shows coming out of every studio generally. Um, so you can just kind of add up and be like, oh, that's how many there are. With that being said, folks, let's take our first commercial break and we'll be right back to... A little bit of anime. We all wish that we could get along with our coworkers 100% of the time, but let's face it, with usually five different personalities working together, it just doesn't happen. This can drive down production and be detrimental to those who need to work as one unit. If your group is having trouble getting along or if you just want to keep those bonds of friendship secure, join us at Let's Form a Team. We offer fun and innovative team-building activities to bring your team together closer than ever, reducing the chances of any member leaving for their own dark personal goals. Believe it! That's our team-building way. 
If you ever find yourself stranded in space with one of the critical pieces of equipment that allows you to bypass the speed of light broken, you know that the likelihood of finding a replacement is on a planet swarming with your mortal enemies. We here at Common Sense Industries have come up with a solution so you never have to find yourself in that position again. The GoGo Sparing Pack. We've taken all the essential parts of your engine and placed them in one convenient pack you can keep aboard your ship. Once used, simply reorder at your next stop and we will ship a new pack to your location for you. Never be caught stranded in dire circumstances again. Also available are the No Shoot Spare Me Pack for defense shields and the Oopsie Spare Me Pack for any fuel-related emergencies. And once again, we are back at a little bit of anime with our special guest, Marissa. Thank you. How does directing differ? Or, I mean, are there any directors that aren't VAs at Funimation? Or is it just like a work your way up through the ranks, like seniority based? It's pretty rare that a director won't also be an actor. A lot of them are former actors, but a couple of them are also former audio engineers. Like they'll engineer on a few shows and then they will move on to being a director themselves and get their own engineer. But even those engineers tend to also be actors. Um, (laughs) Even if it's like a side thing for them, they still do it. So everyone is, you know, constantly like, uh, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm going to be assistant directing on Nanbaka this week. And on my schedule, it says, direct, direct, go into this other person's studio to record, direct, direct. (laughs) So I leave my shift in the middle to go and record something, and and then I come right back. And that seems to be pretty common. Just everyone's swapping around in each other's booths all the time to get the work done. Is there one that you find more more fulfilling, not necessarily enjoyable, between directing and the acting side? Or do you feel closer to the project when you're directing other people? Um... I would say that neither is more fulfilling because both are really fun and you really feel like you're getting something done. But there is something very special about directing because you're casting the project and you're overseeing the project and you're doing all the paperwork. You're there in the trenches. So it really feels like you're it feels like you're working more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas with voice acting, sometimes you leave the studio and you go, I, that wasn't work. <laughs> that like, was play. <laughs> I, yeah, I just had a great time. And sometimes voice acting really does feel like work but a lot of the time it's just like i just had some fun man directing is also fun but it feels like you got more work done when you look at a stack of paperwork that Mm -hmm. you did and all the actors that you had in for the day and all the work that you got done on the show because when you're an actor you do the work and you leave you don't review the show later you don't see the show until it comes out but as a director you're watching the show over and over again being like okay does everything sound good is everyone you know did the lines make sense what's uh did we miss anything And so you're constantly reviewing the show, making sure it works. So it feels more like work. (laughs) And I do like it a lot. I had one question because you're not only a voice actress and director at Funimation, but you're also the casting director for Screw Attack, correct? Yes. And so with you starting as a VA and then going to director, where will that career lead? Like, what are your other avenues that you can navigate throughout the industry? Um... I mean, from here, pretty much all that's left is working on bigger and better projects and constantly building my resume. One thing that I've never gotten to do that I really hope I do get to do at some point is script writing. I'd really mm. like to uh, try ADR script writing for anime. And then um, mocap. I've never gotten a mocap, and I'd really like to do it. Will you explain what mocapping is? Sure. Mocapping is motion capture. Oh, okay. um, that's when the actor wears a skin-tight bodysuit. 
that's covered in little dots and they act in front of a whole bunch of cameras um, which are around them in 360 degrees and they get their motions captured so that it can then be implemented into the show or the game or whatever it is. And that's like uh, when you see things like, um, what's a good mocap game? The Last of Us was all mocapped. And I think, you know, facial expressions were being captured, body movements were being captured. And so the character at that point moves like you and you're bringing so much more life to the character. It's like being on screen without actually having to be on screen. So I'd like to try that one day. I'd really like to do that. And that's pretty much the only next step I could take aside from just doing bigger and better projects Mm -hmm. as an actor and as a director, which are things that I already am, but you can always reach for bigger projects and better projects and more stuff. Well, as a casting director, what are things that you look for on the auditions that you receive? Um, It really depends on what project we're talking about. Obviously, there's a difference between casting for Screw Attack and casting for an anime. You know, with an anime, you're looking for, okay, how does this person sound versus the Japanese actor? Are they similar? Are they too similar? Does it sound like they're just imitating the Japanese actor? Or does it sound like there's something um, that they're bringing to the character? Or is that what I want? Do I want exactly like the Japanese actor? Or do I want something nothing at all like the Japanese actor? Did they listen to my instructions? That's probably the biggest one. Um, (laughs) if I have instructions in the audition sides that say, um, don't split up your lines into multiple files, just send me one MP3 and I get like 25 MP3s. I'm like, this person doesn't listen. (laughs) Okay. Then I'm looking at like, how's their diction? How's their pronunciation? Uh, Does it sound like they have some kind of accent that we'd have to work around? Or it could even be this character has to have an accent. Can this person do that accent? Do I believe the accent? And you'd be surprised how easy it is to pick out an accent. You know, in English, obviously, you hear someone with an accent and you go, oh, they have an accent. But I'm also casting a game called Victory Bells right now, which has uh, 10 plus languages. And one of them is Japanese. So I have these Japanese actresses auditioning and... I can tell when they have a Japanese accent versus an American accent. I've gotten a couple people who are like, I speak Japanese. And then I get the file and I go, this person's American. And I can tell <laughs> yeah. because they have an accent. They have a very thick accent. And oh, it's wow. there's like 25 Japanese actresses in the game. So like I have a reference point of what Japanese should sound like. You know, it's these 25 very talented ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, obviously. But then with Screw Attack, there's... Uh, do they sound like the character? That's pretty much the uh, the criteria because Death Battle is all voice matching. Mm-hmm. So it's basically, do they sound like the character? Which you have your own um, voice match. Oh, <laughs> I've been a few characters um, on Death Battle. So the first one that I did was uh, actually Noin in Tiger Sword vs. Gundam Epion. That was one where I was not the casting director at the time. I was cast off my demo reel I sent it in and I got to record it right when I moved to Texas actually the next one was Pepper Potts in Iron Man vs. Lex Luthor that one just sort of happened because I was in the studio directing and they said hey we need a Pepper just to say like two things at the end so you just do it the last one was Bayonetta and uh, in Dante vs. Bayonetta and that's the big one and that one was a lot of fun uh, but it is the one where I cast myself and I didn't want to cast myself <laughs> so what we did was I took my two like top favorites from the auditions 
And I presented them and I presented mine with no, like no context. So no one said their name. It was just audition, audition, audition back to back on like a, on a reel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, which of these do you like? And they were like, oh, we like number whatever, two or three. And I was like, cool, that's me. I'm going to do it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Thanks. And it worked out for me because my top choice for Bayonetta, if it wasn't me, was the person that I ended up using for Jean, who's another character in the episode. So I was like, man, if, if I didn't have... My top choice for Bayonetta, I would have had, or if I had my top choice for Bayonetta that wasn't me, I would have had to have my second choice for Jean, and overall it just wouldn't have been as, you know, good, mm-hmm. I think. So it ended up working out, and uh, people seemed to like the performance, which I was very flattered by. And I try to keep myself sort of out of the actor's position with Death Battle because I've been casting it for so long at this point, but sometimes I sneak back in there. <laughs> so Screw Attack, when did you get started with Screw Attack? That was about two years ago, around the same time that I started acting at Funimation. And it sort of happened by chance. Um, The showrunner for Death Battle, Ben, is my boyfriend. And he was kind of talking to me about, man, I've got a lot of stuff i got to do for this upcoming episode. i got to cast the actors. i got to look over the script. i got to make sure the animator's on time. He does everything. Um, And I was like, oh, well, I could cast the actors. And he was (laughs) like, could you? Uh, he was like, here, you know, look at look at this. And it was, um, this was Gara versus Toph. So we didn't have an audition process for that. He just played me some clips and he was like, who would you pick? And I was like, Chris Guerrero for Toph, or for Gara, not for Toph. That would be weird. <laughs> um, and then for Toph, he was like, who would you pick? And I'm like, ah, Kira Buckland. And he was like, great, it's done. So that one was kind of off the cuff. But after that, we we had a big audition process that we would do. And at the moment, I have a... Uh, casting list of over 300 actors so usually for anime you want people to be local because they have to keep coming in for episodes so it's like texas only people for this anime but with death battle it's just one episode so i can have whoever i want so we have people from around the world auditioning for death battle um since bayonetta since i did bayonetta after that, all of our subsequent British people have been actually British. And actually before <laughs> that, too, Jarvis in Iron Man vs. Lex Luthor, he's from the UK. Our Tracer in Tracer vs. Scout was from the UK. Mm-hmm. And our Lara Croft in Lara Croft vs. Nathan Drake, which came out just a little while ago, she was British as well. So we have people auditioning from all around the world. People from New York have been in the show. People from LA have been in the show. People from Texas have been in the show. And people from states where there isn't a lot of voice acting. One of my favorite voice actors to use is from Florida. And every time I bring him on a Skype session to do Death Battle, at the end of the session, I'll say, hey, thanks so much. When are you moving to Texas? When are you doing anime? And he always kind of laughs me off. But I'm like, no, I'm serious. When are you coming to Texas? Yeah, I've been doing it for two seasons at this point. We just started season four and I came in mid-season two. And I had one more question before we tell everybody about the anime we watch for (laughs) Anime Watch Swap. How hard is it to translate the Japanese for for anything for the music for the for the intros singing how hard is that for Funimation staff I mean there are people who are dedicated to that job so I'm sure for them it's like whatever um you know there's there's a whole team of translators that are working on translating the scripts they haven't really done a lot of dubbed openings lately but they used to do dubbed openings and then for uh shows like Show by Rock they have to do the songs And I think songs are more difficult than scripts, but in general, it's a hard thing. And the hardest thing is not just translation, but when you come upon a joke or a reference that doesn't work in English. Um, And we had that recently in Nambika. So there was a lot of 
me texting the director back and forth being like, well, what about um, this? It's like, maybe, I don't know. Um, A lot of texting back and forth. And then you have to go to Funimation and be like, is this joke okay? What do you think? And I have a lot of respect for people who take on shows where that's pretty much the bread and butter of the show. Like uh, Case Closed yes. is has not been dubbed for quite some time, but when it was being dubbed, there was a lot of, you know, this puzzle is all about Japanese characters and how you say them out loud versus how they're written. And I'm like, that's got to be so annoying to translate. But once you get it done, you're like, hey, I did it. It, it sounds good. <laughs> And Americans who watch it are going to, you know, actually connect with it rather than being turned off by like, uh, what's going on? So I think it's probably one of the harder jobs, but, you know, it's cool. (laughs) It gets done. It gets done. And there's, there's some very talented people working on it. And that's all they do. So you know that they know what they're doing. (laughs) I do have one final question also. Um, it's something that we've been hearing going around and, uh, I'd like to get your take on it. I have been hearing from multiple sources as far as casting goes that one of the things casting directors will look at will be followers for a public persona, like based on like a Twitter account or how many Facebook followers someone has. Uh, would you confirm or deny? I think it really depends on the director. Mm-hmm. And, I'm sh- and I also think it depends on the marketing strategy for the show. I'm sure that there are some people who go, listen, we really need someone with a big internet presence to help this show because it's a nothing show. Like maybe it's a D-list anime. No one's really heard of it. It doesn't have any tie-ins. And they're like, we just, we need someone to give it that kick. And depending on the director, some people are going to be like, yeah, that's a great marketing strategy. And some people are going to be like, "Ah, I don't really want to do it that way. You know, I just want to have the cast that I want to have. I don't think either strategy is wrong. I think they're both valid strategies. It just depends on who you are, what show you're working on, and what you find acceptable. And I can say that it's not true for every show. Sometimes you see someone cast in a show and they have like 100 followers on Twitter. um, And it's like, why did you cast this person? They did a good job in the audition. Great. That's fine. Then sometimes it's like, why did you cast this person? Well, they have a really big social media reach, and I felt like they fit the character well enough, and I think that they were going to do a good job, and I think that they would give the show kind of the boost that it deserves. I think both are valid. It really does depend on situation and context. I don't have any respect for someone who will not even look at someone who has like less than a thousand followers because I think that that's kind of dumb. Any actor can come out of the woodwork and surprise you. But I do have some respect for someone who's like, you know, I'll give anyone a shot, but for my lead, maybe I want someone with more experience or more reach or whatever they need. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, for your lead, the person that you're going to be spending eight hours with every week, fair enough. You want someone experienced. You want someone who's going to help the show, whatever. Um, but someone who's like, I won't even look at an actor until they've been in this many shows. It's like, well, why? Why do other people have to give this actor a shot, but you won't? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a whole tangled web, but I do think it comes down to context. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it. So it doesn't yeah. hurt to have a good, active 50 followers network. is all you need. <laughs> 50 followers. And the heart of, I, heart of the tiger. I do think there's uh, there's something to be said just for having a social media reach. Not because you think it'll get you roles, but just to stay connected with your fellow actors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the networking um, is probably a pretty big deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Networking and just keeping up with their lives. You know, people mm-hmm. are always posting about, here's what I'm doing. Here's a new, like, 
a hobby project that I'm working on. I'm looking for friends to help me out or, hey, you know, I really want to get everyone together and do such and such. Actors love Twitter. Like, <laughs> almost all of my actor friends are on Twitter and I'm following all of them on Twitter. Um, so for an actor, it's just a good way to keep up with all your acting friends because if you're going to the studio all the time, especially if you're busy, you can miss people real easy. You know, you're like, I'm working all day. Are you going to be at the studio? Oh, well, I'm going to be there Thursday. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to be there Wednesday. Um, I won't see you. So there's a, there's, a, there's a good handy social aspect to having a good social media presence just to keep up with people and what's going on in the industry. Follow Anime News Network and Crunchyroll. They post news, you know, and then you're like, did you hear about this show that got a million views on Nico Nico Doga? Oh, I didn't. You got to follow that. You got to keep up with what's going on in your industry, you know? So mm -hmm. it's just helpful to have social media for that reason. All right, man. That, I mean, getting inside of Marissa's head, learning about the anime industry and voice acting, and we have our final answer, which was Monica wanted to know if she needs more followers or not <laughs> <laughs> on social media. Uh, where can people find you? I had a you friend who had asked. No. Yeah. <laughs> where can people find you, Marissa, and your work? Uh, you can find me online at www.marissalenti.com. You can find me on Twitter at Lenti Soup, or just look up my full name. And you can find me on Facebook at Marissa Lenti. Where can people find you and, and some of your amazing voice acting work and hmm. YouTube videos, Monica? Uh, you can follow me a little bit of anime, or bit of anime on YouTube, mm -hmm. bit of anime on Instagram and Twitter. I'm also on Twitter as MRobVA, and on Facebook as Monica Robinson. You can find me <laughs> at eBailey Fitness on Twitter and Instagram, also on Facebook under Elijah Bailey, or a little bit of anime, the official Facebook page. Now, if you guys want to continue rolling with us, we said we, we had to cover some shows. We had Belzebub, Kamasama Kiss, Death Parade, and then I had the longest title, Is It Wrong to Try to Pick Up Girls in the Dungeon? Yes. So we're going to talk about that. Just follow us on our Patreon so you can hear Monica, Marissa, and I cover these shows and what we thought about them and give them a rating at www.patreon.com forward slash a little bit o anime. Thank you, Marissa, for joining us. Of course. Of Thank you, guys. You should brighten your day with a little bit of anime. <laughs> Warden Yakushiki, what are you after? Who knows? That's all. Go. What am I after? Don't you know? It's you.